Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. October 20th, 2020. Eight questions for Netflix's Q3 2020 earnings interview tonight. As we do each quarter heading into Netflix's earnings interview, here are the eight questions investors should be asking management tonight. Our Q2 2020 questions can be found here. Number one, key employee turnover. Changing management is nothing new at Netflix and certainly ties to Reed Hastings' recent book, No Rules Rules, which talks extensively about the keeper test. That said, when one of your top executives leaves, especially an executive who has been instrumental in Netflix's original programming push, Cindy Holland, we would love to understand why and what made Bella Bajaria a superior choice. In addition to Holland, both Jane Weissman, head of comedy, and Channing Dungy, head of drama, left in recent weeks. Curious if these two departures were related to Holland's exit or just a broader reorientation of Netflix's original programming department. Two, why did U.S. free trials finally end? The U.S. was one of the last remaining markets to stop offering free 30-day trials. What provoked the change now? Was it the relative strength of Q4 content slate versus peers, or simply an acknowledgement that the vast majority of U.S. households have now tried Netflix once? In other markets, we've seen Netflix offer free subscription plan upgrades for 30 days after ending free trials, but that does not appear to be the strategy to date in the U.S. How should we think about your approach to promotional marketing in the U.S. now? Number three, price increases. With Netflix representing 27% of time spent streaming, it would appear that the service remains meaningfully underpriced relative to HBO Max, Disney+, Plus, etc., Two years ago, Netflix raised prices in the U.S. shortly after raising price in Canada. Given the recent price increase in Canada, as well as the increase in Australia back in September, is it fair to assume a U.S. price increase will occur in late 2020, early 2021? Time spent update. It's been a long time since Netflix commented on monthly or quarterly hours streamed. Given the ongoing global pandemic keeping people home more often, increased interest in news and political content, the explosion of gaming time spent, and the challenges your competitors have had in launching content across their SVOD platforms versus Netflix, which has had a relatively full slate of programming. Curious how to think about Netflix's subscriber usage in Q3 2020 versus Q3 2019. Understanding, number five, understanding Netflix's animation ambitions. Netflix has never screened a movie solely for analyst investors before. Why was it so important for you to show off over the moon? What is the key to challenging Disney and animation, and how will you know if you reach the level of success? Is it seeing children singing songs from your movies all around the world, dressing up for Halloween and costumes tied to your film? In a recent interview, Ted Sarandos indicated the goal was to scale up to six animated feature films a year. Is that realistic quality-wise, given that today the entire animation industry usually releases six animated features in total each year? Number six. Film industry investment. If we look at your total annual spend on feature films, including animation, is it reasonable to believe you are now spending in excess of $5 billion, including new films you produce, licensed feature films, and catalog films? How should we think about the growth of that investment in film spending and the mix shift going forward, especially given the $5 billion makes you the largest spender on movies in the world? Number seven, the importance of theatrical. Your peers have almost universally opted to delay their blockbuster films until mid to late 2021 or even into 2022 rather than release them onto their own SVOD platforms 
or sell them to you or other third-party SVOD platforms. The only true potential blockbuster to go straight to SVOD will be Disney's soul on December 25th. Are you surprised that Hollywood studios remain fixated on theaters? How much of their continued focus on theaters is short-term economic-driven versus filmmaker-driven, meaning filmmakers who demand a theatrical, a traditional theatrical release? Tied to this, curious if you could explain how you got Ron Howard to do his first direct-to-streaming movie on Netflix next month, Hillbilly Elegy, which was obviously greenlit and produced well before the current pandemic occurred. It will be released on Netflix on November 24th. Number eight, content exclusivity. Viacom's Pluto TV recently reached a deal with Gaumont TV to air Narcos on their ad-supported streaming platform. While we realize your original agreement to license the content did not block AVOD, curious if future content licensing deals have blocked AVOD exploitation. Also curious if you believe AVOD licensing years after a show is finished on Netflix Narcos, remember, aired new seasons from 2015 through 2017, is detrimental to the value of the content on Netflix. Could you ever envision licensing your own original programming to AVOD platforms year after, years after it airs?